welcome back to the Broad Oak Piety Podcast. I am in the, uh, how shall we say, partial studio uh, with my good friend and brother, Joey Tomlinson. How are you doing, brother? Good. You're in a bunker. Well, you know, um, I, I sort of am, but that's true. Uh, we're, we are recording this episode uh, far away from one another, but using technology. But it is good to see your face nonetheless. It's good to see you. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I re- I recorded a solo podcast. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. You, I, I wanted to start this episode by saying that you've you've created two firestorms lately. Um, the first is when you went on this podcast and you uh, told everyone that you and I were going to be uh, basically breaking up, breaking up, and occasionally coming back together. And let me just tell you, I got a, I got well, not a lot of feedback, but I got more feedback about that than anything. And the the overwhelming cry of the listenership, however many that is, you know, five or six. The listenership was don't do that. Don't 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 break up the band. It was like, you know, we can't both go solo album. We have to stay together as a band. This um, is now, listen, I, f- f- this is how I see this is how I see things. It's difficult to continue to do this with you. <laughs> and, Unbelievable. And uh, we, before we pressed record, we were we were uh we were talking a little bit about Tolkien and you were you know, going on you, and on. You were droning. It. You were droning on about Tolkien, and I just finally said, "Listen, if you keep going, I'm going to fall asleep." But I was yeah, totally kidding. I was talking to you about Tolkien, and you told me, "I'm so." You interrupted me and said, "I'm so bored right now." <laughs> That's not exactly the way it went down. Mm-hmm. But you know, the second firestorm that you said actually it wasn't a firestorm. I'm joking. But you recently wrote an article for uh, our uh, blog site, our website, Broad Oak Piety. And you engage the question of Which you read before I uh, put up. That's true. So uh, you're that's, just as, you're just as guilty as me. That's part of our deal. That's part of our deal. I have to see everything that you put out in advance. It's we have a contract and everything. Um, um, no, but you you wrote an article that I think has some some helpful uh, things to consider. But it was shortly after the elections uh, that just happened, and uh, you and I are both living in Virginia, voting in Virginia, and. Uh, you know, the elections in Virginia, but particularly the election in Ohio and Kentucky were both very disappointing in a lot of ways. There's a lot of there's a lot of components here. But I was just wondering if we could use that article to just talk about a couple of things for a few moments. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, could, could you summarize briefly what your main goal was in that article and sort of what even if you go beyond the article, what what your current thought is as it relates to just the. You know, you entitled the article "Politicians Voting and the Gospel." So, what was your goal in that article? Well, I, one of the reasons why I, I wrote it—I it, mean, it was in light of the elections that happened last week, and so yeah. I was kind of surveying just the political landscape and what the driving factors were for why people voted certain ways. Uh, and anytime I write something, and I know this is the case with you, like my burden is for the people that I shepherd. You know, I'm usually thinking of the the people that um, the Lord has brought into my life um, first and foremost, but but also just from a, um, you know, in, in a more uh, general way, thinking, trying to help people think through, like, we're Christians and our allegiance is to Christ and there is nothing in our lives 
in which we kind of head like push push that off to the side. We we don't push our commitments to Christ and what His um, Word says and what we as Christians, in light of uh, having the Word of God, knowing the Word of God, how we're to behave, think, and in this great country that we live in, vote in light of um, things as it relates to gospel. Like I wanted to demonstrate some some central gospel issues as it, as it relates to how we vote and how we can complicate our ability to herald the gospel depending on how we vote, depending on how we vote, how we can complicate things as it relates to uh, protecting the most vulnerable of people, which Christians should be about protecting vulnerable people. And so so overarchingly, if I gave it a goal, it's how how should we as Christians think about politics? How should we as Christians think about voting? And what does any of that have to do with um, our commission to be uh, people that are to be salt and light in the world? Um, particularly salt and light in our country. Yeah, yeah. In the article, you you critique both of the two dominant parties in the in the United States right now, the Democrats, and you critique them first. And uh, it's probably without saying that you you have probably even more to critique. Um, yes. But I think one of the things that you say that is so true is that that party actually seems to be in many respects not not one hundred percent of Republicans are not like this, but in many respects the Democrats are putting their cards on the table. They're, they're, yeah. they're people of conviction, although we would say in a lot of areas of, of convictions that are evil, right? The yeah. LGBTQ, abortion, all kinds of other things. And Republicans, you also critique. And one of the critiques that seems to me is that you are critiquing the fact that it's harder to nail all of them down on yeah. certain issues. And so they seem to be at least outwardly less convictional. And now I say they, I mean, there are a lot of Republicans in the United That's States. Right. But, yeah. but the the main figures, um, and then you ask the question, you know, how should we vote? And you you use the you use the biblical term. You you say this towards the end of the article. Um, you, you say, as it relates to who to vote for, I have at times voted for Republican candidates, but I've also voted third party because I'd rather vote according to values and convictions that I have as a Christian um, rather than along party line. Um, this is not wasting my vote. This is stewardship. But then you say this. Um, now, I can sense that some of you reading this may say to me, Joey, you're not voting for a pastor, so don't look for one in your politician. And I will grant you that. However, biblically speaking, I am voting for a deacon, aren't I? And then you connect that later to the word servant uh, in Romans 13. What do you mean there? Do you think that the qualifications for people that we vote for in political office should match 1 Timothy 3, 8 through uh, 11. Are we really voting for actual deacon? What did you mean when you said that? Yeah, I, I, I was trying to make a point that character matters and, and also that the men and women who hold office are going to give an account to God, that they are not the highest authority, that there is yeah. authority above them and that authority is God. And they're going to give an account to God for how they govern in the same way that we'll give an account to God for the way in which we steward our votes. And so I, I should be looking for candidates that in a lot of ways are more mindful of um, uh, of their uh, role biblically defined and 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 that are more mindful that they will give an account for how they govern. So I, I wasn't trying to say that they're deacons in the biblical sense of the in the sense of the office right. uh, that's in the local church where you have elders and deacons and so that's right. not what I meant. however, 
you know, the word diakonos is what is used in Romans 13, which is translated both as deacon in First Timothy 3, but it's also translated as servant in yep. other places, you know, which is what you see it translated as in Romans 13. And so, yeah. um, so I was trying to, you know, I, I think it's not, uh, to me, it's, it, uh, and I've heard this, I hear this every election cycle. We're not voting for a pastor, you know, and and that's usually coupled with explaining away someone having uh, poor character. Mm. Uh, you know that that that's usually what is as if the only pe as as if the only people we should have expectations that have character or pastors or like yeah, and uh, as if we it's. It's not a legitimate um, expectation that the people that we vote for should have good character, you know. Yeah. And so that, that's usually that being explained away. And I was trying to just in a polemical way push back on that and say, yeah, not a pastor, but a deacon. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. No, I think that's helpful. And 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 the the word for servant in Greek in the New Testament is used in a variety of contexts. And I mm-hmm. I think. Um, you know, I think that's that's helpful clarification. But really, I think what you're after there is we don't want to minimize character. Uh, I mean, I guess a lot of people are going to have the question, can I vote for someone who doesn't seem to be a believer? Um, you know, what's the distinction between the civil magistrate and the uh, the church? These kinds of questions. But but I think we're, we're li- living increasingly in a day where we see people willing to sacrifice blatant character yes. uh, for some kind of a party line you know, on both it, sides. Or, yeah. They, they think that they can separate what they would consider to be their private life from their public service, yeah. you know, and, and that, that one has nothing to do with the other, you know, it's yeah. the, the kind of Pontius Pilate approach, like, you know, pr- privately, it's my personal opinion that we shouldn't crucify Jesus, but I got to give the people what they want and they want to crucify him. My hands are clean. My hands are yeah. clean. I'm going to put forward this, uh, you know, the execution of the son of God. And, yeah. and it seems to be, I mean, that's, that's how politics are today. It's nothing new, you know, and, and when the apostle Paul wrote what Romans 13, if we think about the, uh, the political climate in which he wrote that in, um, it's a pretty audacious thing that, you know, he was saying something that could get him in a lot of trouble. You know, yeah. he, he was speaking, um, in in a political climate in which governing figures really thought themselves to be God, that they 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 weren't going to give an account, yeah. and, and so he, you know, in Romans thirteen, he's making it abundantly clear there is a power higher than you, yeah, and you will give an account to, you know, um, the God that is over you, and the yeah. God has allowed you to be in the position that you're in, and I think that Christians should be mindful of that when they're going into the voting booth, but we should also speak like that. Um, we should also pray like that. Um, and so I, I don't think that we should be, uh, I, you know, again, we should, we shouldn't be thinking and voting as if the people we're, we're voting for, uh, are not going to give an account to God for how they govern. Yeah. Now, one of the issues that you tackle in the, the, uh, article is, uh, particularly, uh, prescient. It's, it's, it's palpable over these last, you know, this last week or so, because um, uh, the issue of abortion was on many ballots, either mm-hmm. literally, like in the state of Ohio, 
uh, or there were candidates that were trying to enact certain issues related to abortion legislation. So like for here in Virginia, for instance, um, there was a talk among many Republicans about trying to take back our state um, legislative body, the General Assembly. It was it's very closely um, Democrat on one side of the House, uh, one side of the, the the legislative body, and on the other, it was barely Republican. And now it looks like it's going to be all Democrat. But one of the issues was, you know, passing legislation with our Republican governor to basically prohibit abortion after 15 weeks, somewhere therein. And so the issue comes up. Uh, and, you know, the pundits are giving all kinds of explanations. Did people stay home? Uh, were the so-called abolitionists of abortion, uh, did they stay home in certain places because they, they thought certain promises didn't go far enough? Uh, were people not interested? Um, is, uh, is our country really, truly more pro-choice than pro-life? I mean, all of these kinds of issues. But it, it caused me to wonder, how are we to think about this? I mean, I think if I can go on record, <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong, you and I would both want the abolition of all abortion. Yes, um, we we would we would want you know the abolition of all abortion. And yes, people will say, well, does that mean what does that mean for life of the mother and all these kinds of things? We, we you know th there are certain um, obviously longer discussions we could have regarding what all that means. But you and I are not for hey six weeks and up let's outlaw, but before six weeks keep it. <laughs> Uh, we're not, hey, let's allow it in rape and incest, these kinds of things. Yeah. But the question comes, even if we want the abolition of abortion, should we reject all incrementalist kinds of approaches? You know, should should we only vote for a person if they're an abolitionist of abortion? Or uh, is there a third way, so to speak? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. I, one of the things I, I just kind of mentioned briefly in the article um, is, you know, I, the way I put it is I, you know, I, I hope that I'm level headed enough to be able to go into a voting booth and, and I, I see a Democrat, uh, and, and, you know, Democrats are, uh, ac across the board, pro-abortion, no limits. Like, right. I mean, it's just how polarized things are. And yeah. so that's, you know, one of the reasons why I think as a Christian, it's untenable to vote for a Democrat, but the, um, uh, but, it, you know, if, if I'm looking at, um, you know, option A, a Republican who restricts abortion after 14 weeks, and then option B, a Democrat who, you know, has no restrictions on abortions, I, I hope that I'm level enough, level headed enough to say, well, um, I want all abortion to be illegal. Right. Uh, but it's better for this Republican to be in office than it is for this Democrat. More lives will be saved if this Republican is in office than this Democrat um, in right. office. Yeah. I think at the same time, I should vote while maintaining that that is not a pro-life position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that makes I, sense? Yeah, it, it does. I mean, you know, for me, I think part, part of the issue is we're talking about, a, we have the ability to vote in our state on a lot of uh, candidates. And in some states, you even vote on judges. So in the United States of America, people vote on a variety of the three branches of government in some sense. You, you do need to consider how legislation actually works, in my opinion. So for instance, I can say I'm for the abolition of abortion. And if I'm elected, 
you know, I'm not running for political office, just putting I that out we there. I thought we were announcing your candidacy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm running third party for president in 2024. You know, I'm going to get a lot of votes. Yeah. Um, as a, but, at least from the listeners here. Yeah, I mean, you know, I could get, I could get three or four. Who knows? Um, but... Th- the reality is I may be someone who's for the abolition of abortion, but if you put a bill before me and say, hey, we want to outlaw these, we want to outlaw abortion from this period on up, you may have an abolitionist who says, uh, well, that's not going far enough, but sure, I, I, I'm not going to vote no on that. I'm not going to abstain on that for some reasons. Now, others may abstain or others may vote no because they don't think it goes far enough. But I think there's a little bit of nuance here. I think it's possible to nuance the legislative process in the minds of certain individuals and not nuance the position. Some are going to say, nope, it's all or nothing. But the reality is, depending on how questions are framed in life, will depend on, will then determine how people act. And so, you know, you and I were talking about how we both uh, in our uh, region uh, happen to be voting for the state, for the same state senator, a Republican who said in his campaign literature he was going to sign on to our current governor's proposal to outlaw abortion at 15 weeks or more. Yeah. And, and on the one hand, uh, I'm, I'm glad because had his opponent actually won, his opponent is pro-death of yeah. infants. I mean, all the way up to birth, it yeah. seems. Yeah. Well, I'm glad he won. But at the same time, I would have questions for him. Now, are you saying you think abortion up to 15 weeks is okay? And thus, you're not really pro-life, you're just pro, you're just more stringently pro-choice, you know? Or are you saying, I'm going to do that and I'd love to do more? And see, that's where the divide is, I think, sometimes in the discussion. I mean, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but I think it. And that's what makes the Republican Party kind of complex. It's, you don't, it's difficult to, for multiple reasons, like sometimes they're slippery on purpose, (laughs) you know? And uh, in order to secure votes and, um, you know, but I, yeah, I would be interested in whether or not, you know, Danny Diggs is the the gentleman that we are talking about, but I, I would be interested to know, like, is it, you know, 15 weeks with the hope of getting that down or is it like, what, what is the driving factor behind this, this 15 week sort of, yeah in my view, arbitrary line that's been drawn, but I, I can certainly be glad that there's more restrictions. Uh, there there could be more restrictions with that policy in place than, you know, a, a Democratic, you know, some Democrats um, policy. Yeah. And I think even there, you know, wording matters as well in terms of the individual person's conscience. If you said to me, um, you know, should abortion be outlawed? For, for these uh, ages of babies, you know, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have an easier time saying yes. than if you say, should we allow abortion and keep it legal up to a certain, yeah. you know, period of time. And, and yeah, that's yeah. where the wording even, even matters. Yeah. I mean, you and I both want the abolition of abortion. What's the best way to get to yeah. that? That's what I I'm after. The, I think the thing that bothered me about our state is it was marketed more as if abortion equated to being pro-woman yeah yeah literature that we were receiving had nothing to do with babies it had everything to do with we're not anti-women we let we we our legislation would allow for abortion up to 14 15 weeks and so i'm very skeptical but what's what's interesting about that is you and i are voting for the same individual but we live in different areas 
Mm-hmm. And in my area, there was a there wasn't as much of that. In my area, there was a lot of let's you know let's save babies kind of literature. And that's where we get into the politics stuff. This yep. this is when I start mentioning the pragmatic thing and the trying to secure seats. This is where I I, I begin to have issues <laughs> because I'm more yeah. of a just tell me just tell me what you who yep. you are just tell yep. me who you are and be honest. And that that's what I have a problem with. So I live in Newport News. You live uh, with the the top one percent in Yorktown, and um, <laughs> oh my! And uh, and so in in Newport News, it's safe to say that it's it's a pro-abortion city. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and so I think you're right. I mean, he's putting out he's putting out information and dropping it. You know, it's getting dropped in the mailbox that is very much on the pro, you know, using the almost conceding the point to the Democrats that they're the pro women and we want to be seen as pro women. Yeah. And and I would say too, this is anti-women. Yeah. I I would say too, sometimes literature is put out by other people and not the candidate themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, different political action groups and those kinds of things. But I, I think it does raise the question, you know, um, can a person be uh, for abortion at all? I would say it's it's inconsistent for a Christian to yeah. uh, deny that life begins at, at conception and to uh, say that abortion is not murder at, at any uh, week of gestation. Yeah. But th- then the question is, if I'm an abolitionist, I want the abolition of all abortion. Does it make it wrong if I'm voting for individuals who may or may not uh, be in a position or choose to be in a position to put abolition on the ballot. I, I don't know. I want to ab- I want to abolish all abortion, but I may in certain election cycles be in a position where I'm voting for the person who's going to stop as much abortion as possible. You know, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, and, and I think, you know, I, I know some um, I, I, I would be curious if, if we, ha- you know, I, I'm I know a couple of guys that are, you know, there's an official kind of ab- official, like there are various pockets of these abolitionist movements or organizations um, that are usually, um, th- th- they would debate with the, some of the pro-life organizations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I would be interested because I, 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 I know a couple of people within these abolitionist movements I would be interested to know their thoughts on the elections and I would be interested to know how they vote, you know, how they yeah. vote. This. Yeah. But I, with you, I, I think that Christians must maintain that abortion should be eradicated. Yeah. And, um, and at the same time, I, I, I know that it's better for a Republican to be in office who limits abortion to 14 or 15 weeks than it is for a Democrat to be in office that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got a good, I've got a good brother and friend who's, who's passed on some, some, some helpful literature from one particular uh, uh, abolitionist group. And I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very helpful. You know, I'm not denying um, the positions, uh, generally speaking, the question is, as we've said, how do we think about certain election cycles? um, And, and what is, what is a path forward? But I like what you said in the article because you do critique both political parties. And I think we're at a point where we have to critique both. 
Um, it's yeah. not as simple as saying I can't vote Democrat, so I'm always going to vote Republican. You know, it may be that simple for some believers. And in some ways, we have to say some of this is liberty of conscience. When I say liberty of conscience, I mean, do I vote for a Republican or do I vote for a third party? Right. Um, you That's know. about the liberty of conscience that it's now yeah. just, again, how polarized things are. Yeah, yeah. But no, I thought I thought it I thought it was I thought your, your article raised some some helpful points. I was disappointed by some, the outcome, particularly in Ohio. I don't yeah. know how the ballot was phrased. I don't know all that was happening on the ground there, but uh, discouraged. Uh, but I don't think that these votes were simply America is more pro-choice than we thought. I think there are a lot of dynamics at play um, that we have to consider, and uh, we'll see that particularly over the next year as this election cycle gets really really heavy and probably very annoying in some sense. Um, I, you know, I think that, um, uh, you know, I'm watching our clock countdown too. I know we only have a couple of minutes, but. Well, I, you got to speak faster. Southern you know, boy. You no, know, the, I was having lunch with a friend yesterday and, um, and I was talking about, and I mentioned this in the article as well, that Democrats are good at the power of story, you know? And so, so a lot of times Republicans may yeah, take this issue on abortion Republican may go into it and argue facts. Um, but the Democrat goes in and says, what about rape and incest? They, you know, they, they use the power of a story to advance a particular worldview. And, and I think Republican, and I, and I can't help but wonder, is that some of what has happened over this last week, what we've seen, you know, because I, you know, yeah. whether or not the majority of Americans are pro-choice, I just don't, I don't know, but I, I do know that our imaginations have been captured in a lot of other ways and we've been compromised in a lot of other ways and that the power of narrative, the power of story to advance particular ideologies, um, it's clear to me and it's been happening over a long period of time. You see surveys come out from like Ligonier's State of the Church or State of Theology and you see some of the questions that they ask so professing evangelicals, even on matters of social issues, and you see in just how the power of story has captured and compromised us. And I, I think that um, Republicans or conservatives need to get better at um, putting kind of meat on the bones of some of the, the facts, the way in which they're going about talking about things. And so anyways, that's just kind of a. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's true. I think it's true. And, and perhaps that means that, you know, Christians need to read good stories. Yeah. Or at least watch good movies. One of the two. Oh, well, it is, uh, it's good to be back here with you. I guess we should say that every once in a while, the listener might get uh, uh, a podcast from, from me by myself or you by yourself. Well, we, next week, right? Well, y y you know, I mean, who knows? Um, but it's at, I at think some point. You should, I think for your individual podcast that you're going to do, one chapter from uh, The Hobbit until you get through it. Just press record, you read a chapter, and then you end of episode one. Next go around chapter two. That's how that's how we get you to engage with this great literary work. <clears throat> it is great literary work. Okay. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Oh, well, it's good to be back. Uh, we will try to do more of these together than not. We have perhaps some more interviews coming up, and uh, we would just encourage the the listener to, if we don't talk to you again before Thanksgiving, have a great Thanksgiving. Don't forget, it's a wonderful opportunity to offer Thanksgiving to the true and living God. 
And we hope to be back with you in a couple of weeks where I will continue to try to keep Joey on the straight and narrow of podcasting. Mm -hmm. Full-time job. It is. Mm -hmm.